Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. following the book of Acts, and it's been very interesting. It's been, it's, been, it's been a great, great walk. It's been a great journey. And, and I said to you all before, just to kind of set you all up again, if we read the book of Acts and understand it, it's, a, it's all about the church and how it was historically, how it should be theologically, and how it can be potentially. But there's something that we must do. Many people who read the entire book of Acts, which is 28 chapters, will tell you that it seems like it just, it didn't end. It's like it just left it empty. What, it looked like there should have been an Acts 29. And there is. The Acts 29 is you and I. We are the ones who have to finish the story. We're the ones who have to finish the race. And then I share with you all that, that if we look at the story of the book of Acts, how historically and theologically, and and then how it can be potentially, the main character in that story is that of the Holy Spirit. And you will see, and I'll continue today, even today, I'm going to point out just the, the, the importance of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that for us to get anything done, corporately as a church, community-wide, nationwide, within this world, even personally, it's going to require a heavy dependence and reliance on the Holy Spirit. And I share with you all before that, that the first thing you got to do, you hear this Holy Spirit thing, you have to realize that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. It's the third person in the Trinity. It's not, it's not a spooky thing. It's the third person. And if you don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, it's impossible for you to have a personal relationship. You have to see the third, the Holy Spirit as the third person in the Trinity, in the Godhead. All right. So, so, so now we got that under our belts. Let me jump into what we're going to talk about today. Last week, I think uh, my brother Terrence share with you all a little bit about Acts 4. Now, now in Acts 4, it's interesting because the church is, is facing some persecution. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to cart Peter off to jail, and, you know, it, they're going through some stuff, just, just a little bit, and it's outside persecution. They, they've been asked to not preach this thing. Stop telling people that Jesus was resurrected. Stop, stop that. Stop lying to these people. That's what the Jewish people were telling them. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders were telling them. Listen, stop telling these people that this Jesus dude came back. That's not true. That's what they're telling me. You tell them again, we're going to kill you. Stop it. But obviously we know that they didn't do that. They didn't stop preaching the gospel. They didn't stop sharing the gospel. Here, here, here's what I know. 
here's what I know. Here's what I know about this beautiful thing that you and I call the church. The church has been threatened a lot. The church, the place that the, the, the church, our faith has been threatened a lot. And do you know, after all these threats, over thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, God kept his word. He, Jesus kept his word. He says, listen, I'm going to build my church upon you, Peter. And, and, and not even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Do we not still have a church in this world today? Is it not still growing leaps and bounds? Now, I know it don't seem that way in America, but do you know there are people risking their lives just to call themselves Christians in other parts of the world? There are people literally putting their lives on the line to say, hey, I believe in Jesus. In China right now, they have thousands of house churches. In Egypt, there are people that are calling themselves Christians. They mark themselves so that they know that they are part of this thing, and they're risking their lives just to say, I believe that Jesus died and was resurrected for you and I. There are people in this world that still are are, are risking their lives. And Jesus kept his word. He says, I'm going to build this church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. So outside threats have not destroyed the church. Do you know what destroys the church, my brothers and my sisters? Y'all might not be surprised by this. Do you know what destroys the church? It's It's not ISIS. It's not those people who are claiming jihad. It's, it's, it's the man in the mirror. It's you and I. We destroy the church. We really do. People are not coming to church, not because of ISIS, not because of those people who believe in jihad, not because of, they're not coming to church because of you and I. They're not coming to church because we don't look like what the Bible says we should look like. We, 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 we're judging people as they come through the doors and they feel like they're in a courtroom and not a place of holiness. Uh, we, we, we're, we're hypocrites, which is what I'm going to talk about today. That's my subject matter, hypocrites. So let's, let's jump right into I'm going to jump from Acts, the last part of Acts. I got to get you here because you got to catch this. This is where it gets good. And then I'm going to jump into the first part of Acts 5. So Acts 4, 36 and 37. Then we're going to jump over to Acts 5. Hey. (laughs) Acts 4, 36, 37. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. This happened right after Peter, you know, right after they try to persecute Peter, after they have been faced with threats of preaching the gospel. What happened was when they saw that they could prevail against outside forces, you know, people were really on fire. And here you have this man, this known man. They're able to trace his lineage. He's a pure Jew. He's from the tribe of Levi. He's, he's a special person, and he's so in love with this thing called the way. He's such a believer that he sells this land because he wants to push forth the movement. He wants to make sure that the, the movement is resourced. He don't want the movement to stop because of financial reasons. So he sells it. He's not, he don't want a pat on the back. He wants the movement to continue. Watch what happens in chapter 5. 
This normally doesn't happen in the Bible, by the way, and I'm going to explain this in a minute. Chapter 5, verse 1, starts with the word but. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Nowhere else do you see they bring where the, where the writer brings from one chapter all the way to the nether, to the other, something together like that. This is a rare thing. He wants to show you how one person did it right and another person did it wrong. Watch what happens here. Then Peter said, Ananias, why had you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not, as you wished. After selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. So Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they committed a sin. And many people look at this and say, oh, man, the sin they committed was was that they didn't tithe or they didn't give money. Actually, that was a very honorable and noble thing that they did. Their sin was lying. Their sin was being deceitful. Their sin was hypocrisy. And that's my subject matter today, the subject of hypocrisy. The church is suffering majorly from hypocrisy. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira was not withholding money. It was hypocrisy. Let me tell you about this word hypocrisy. The hypocrisy from the original Greek language is hupak, hupak, oh, sorry about that, hupakrisis, hupakrisis. And, and that literal word means the acting of a stage player. Hypocrisy in Greek, hupakrisis, literally means the acting of a stage player. You know, my dad, in case some of y'all don't know, and this is not being braggadocious, I'm just telling you, my father's an a, a award-winning actor, so he gets to play characters that he'll never, ever be. He gets to, to do things and pretend to be, like my dad never, ever wanted to be a detective or a cop and, and you know, or fire a gun. I don't think he ever wanted to do that, but he's played detective a lot. And he loves it, put a, put a badge on, and he gets to be somebody else in that moment. He gets to completely act and be somebody else. You know, and there's a one time he actually played Solomon, you know, uh, and Solomon and Sheba. And, and his wife, watch this, his wife, Sheba, was Halle Berry. Man, I would have loved to play that part. Just let me, I look like my dad, you know. I mean, you know, I just for a second, let me do the kissing scene. and Let me stop, let me stop. My wife and I joke about this. Don't worry. I'm not messing around. But listen, he gets to be all these people he doesn't want to be intentionally. Read the script. I get to be all these people that I'm not. And they're saying this is what the same thing that happened with Ananias and Sapphira. They were acting. The question is why? Why were they acting? Why y'all want to pretend? That was a good deed you did to sell your land. That was awesome. 
Well, why you want? Why are you faking it? And here's why. They saw that Barnabas, who sold his land, his heart was in the right place. He wasn't seeking no pat on the back. He wasn't seeking an attaboy. He didn't want, he didn't want to stand up there and get the certificate and get the, the Instagram moment. No. He was doing this because he believed in this thing called the way, and he wanted to push it further. He wanted to make sure that, that, that listen, I'm going to do my part to make sure that the gates of hell does not prevail against this thing called the church. But just because he did it out of his heart and he saw the love and the affection and the, and the depth and, and, and all of the accolades that Barnabas saw, Ananias was like, man, I want some of that. I want to be popular. I got some land. Why don't we sell it and tell the people that we gave all of our money for it? That was the hypocrisy. They sold it and lied and said, hey, we gave y'all all the money from it. All the profit, y'all got it. We, we ain't keep nothing. We ain't hold nothing back. They lied about it. Why? Because they wanted to be popular among the people and not popular among God. One of the most common complaints against the church, my brothers and sisters, is that the church is full of hypocrites. And this is why people won't come. And, and, and let me just say this. People say, you know what, I don't go to church because it's messy. And that's the truth. I, I, I won't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. That's true. That's very true. I, I don't go to church because the church want my money. That, that's true as well. We got to pay somebody to be in this building. Just, just call it the truth, right? The church, it, it's all of that is true about the church, but that does not mean you don't go. The hospital is full of sick people, but you go there, don't you? Oh, man, I'm going to preach this morning in a minute. You don't say I'm not going to go to the hospital because there are other people there that are sick and I might get sick. No, you go there because you want to get healed and you come to the church with other people that are just infirmed with the same stuff that you are because you want to be healed. But we cast judgment on people so hard and so often that they say, I am not coming to church because it's full of hypocrites. And when you say that, I say to you, you too, my friend, my brother, my sister are a hypocrite. To think that you can live a life on your own without the power of the Holy Spirit. You too, my friend, are a hypocrite. I heard one time a quote that said this. Somebody says, they asked the atheist guy, says, what, what, what do you think a, a Christian is? Why won't you go to church? What, what is a Christian? And the atheist guy responded this way. He says, a Christian is a person who feels sorry on Sunday for what they did on Saturday and what they're going to do on Monday. It seems to be the way. It seems to be the case sometimes. It, it, it seems like, like, like we get some good word, I think, on Sundays, definitely at our church. We, 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 we enjoy an encounter with God. You know, we, we, we get something that we can go and, and, and continue to do some great things with in life. But it's like, like after we say dismissal and after you've had your nap and your lunch, Monday comes and you're back to your normal flow of things and you forgot everything that you talked about just less than 24 hours ago. We're not applying a lot of the stuff we're learning here. We pick up our Bibles mostly on Sunday. 
Some of us, if we're lucky, maybe once a week if we attend a Bible study somewhere. I'm not talking about this church. I'm just talking about the church. Because this is common in America. I've had my good friend come all the way from Ghana. He says, you know, you guys do church totally different. It seems like church is only on Sunday morning in America. Whereas in Africa and Ghana where, where they need water, where they need supplies, where, where kids have to pay just to go to regular school, they rely on God every single day. Where kids have to walk through war-torn areas just to make it to school. Where, where kids have to walk 10, 20 miles just to get an education and they're sharing the same booklet. They rely on God every single day and Sunday morning is just the day to praise him. But Sunday morning for us in America is a day to get something. I need to get a word. Oh, I need to get some fellowship. I need to get and pause for a moment and stop saying I need to get and start saying, what can I give? So that this thing, how can I be like Barnabas and help the kingdom grow? All right. All right. Stop asking about what you can get. Start thinking about what you can give. Jesus was harsh on hypocrites. He was harsh on hypocrites. He was harsh on hypocrites. If you just pause and read Matthew 23 alone, he like called these Pharisees and Sadducees hypocrites. He called them blind guides. I was like, man, they must have, man, Jesus was mad. I was reading it and I was like, one point he was going in so hard, I cussed for him because it just felt right. <laughs> Serious. He was going, he was like, you hypocrites, exclamation point. You blind guides, exclamation point. You hypocrites, exclamation point. You blind guides, exclamation point. And I was like, and your mama. Oh, that didn't go there, but it fit. <laughs> he was going in. He detests hypocrites, but he loves sinners. Isn't that crazy? But is, is, isn't hypocrisy a part of sin? Yes, but he hated people who intentionally lied to be something that they're not. You sin, you sin. That happens. You know, you make a mistake. You, you made a bad decision. You knew it was wrong, but you still did it anyway. He can extend grace. But when you sit there and see, when you're a hypocrite, it's not the people that you're hurting. It's God that you're hurting. And he takes great offense to that. He went in, read Matthew 23 on your own. You'll see, you'll be like, man, Pastor B is right. And you might add some explicitives in there as well. Explicitives, I said that, y'all. That's a good word. Come on now. I'm educated. Let me tell you about this word hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, if you're taking notes, hypocrisy is deliberate deception. Deliberate. It's not the same as a sin of commission. It's like, I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyway. No, no, no. This is different. This is deliberate. I'm, I'm doing something with the intention of getting something because of what I'm doing. I am deliberately lying and deceiving you for my own good. That's a little bit deeper than a sin of commission. Deliberate deception. Here's the second thing I want to tell you about hypocrisy. It is birthed out of pride. It is birthed out of pride. It's amazing. The reason why so many of us are hypocrites because we're looking at it as, what can I get out of it? How, how does it benefit me to lie? And, and that was Ananias and Sapphira. 
It's like, hey, I, I imagine the only reason that they lied and, 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 and were hypocrites was because they were somebody before this thing, the way happened, and all of a sudden the way happened and everybody was kind of like on an even plane. And, and, and then all of a sudden Barnabas uh, did something great and they were like, hold on, he can't get all the shine. We want some shine. We used to have shine. I want my shine back. And so they intentionally lied and were deceitful. Their pride got in the way. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be, they wanted pats on the back. They wanted everybody to see. It's like that person that gives an offering time. That's why we don't pass the bucket here. I refuse to do it. Because I remember going to church and the bucket would pass, and I was just one of them people that touched the bucket because the pastor told me if you touch the bucket, you might have a blessing in there. And I was just a touch the bucket person until somebody looked over at me and made me feel bad because I ain't had no money. That's why I don't pass the basket. And they made me feel bad I didn't have no money because they gave like a wad of hundreds and wanted to make sure I saw them. Y'all been places like that. I've been to churches where they literally made it rain. Throw your money up. If it hits you in the back, I'm not joking. I mean, local church, I won't say the pastor. I got respect. Literally made it rain. They were throwing it. And I got hit in the back of the head with a 20 and was trying to figure out how I was going to get back from the place I was. I almost said the city. I would have got it if I said it. But I was trying to figure out how I was going to get from there to Marietta because I didn't have enough gas to get home. And that 20 hit me. And I'm like, don't they say sometime your blessing come in all kind of forms? And maybe this is my blessing. That, that woman looked at me and said, baby, you better pass that money up. Like so-and-so said. And so I threw it up there. I was mad. I was like. <laughs> and I made it home just on fumes. But I made it on fumes. But really. That's why I don't pass the bucket. I don't want nobody to feel bad because they don't have it to give. It's all about your heart. Does your heart want you to give? The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I showed you all the video of the one guy down in Florida that be, you know, be doing a little, doing all of this stuff. And Y'all never saw that video? Tia, remind me to play that video next week. Oh, my goodness, y'all. It's amazing. And he does it all the time. But, but you, you know, people laugh at him. He's got like a million views on YouTube or something like that. People laugh at him, but you got to understand his testimony. Somebody interviewed him. There's a reason he dances like that. He's not supposed to be alive today. He's, he's, he's literally had life, uh, life-taking diseases, and he survived them multiple times. He's, he's been in car accidents. He's, oh, man, you got to see it. But when he's, he's like, I'm cheerful. Hey, he's, doing, he's literally doing this dance. I'm not joking. I'm going to show you all the video next week. Remind me, Tia, to show that video. Let me tell you this thing about pride. This pride is something, that, something else. Listen, pride opens the door for every other sin. For once we are more concerned with our reputation than we are with our character, mm, there is no end to the things we will do to make ourselves look good before others. Hypocrites. Y'all see them in the church. Oh, man, they, oh, as soon as the song come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And then they're the first, as soon as you go right on outside, they're ready to cut somebody out because they cut them off. The first ones. Oh, they holy. They come in with their Bible, and they shouting on their way in. And all of a sudden, somebody in their seat, excuse me, you in my seat? Hypocrites. Oh, they're the first ones. They give big on Sunday. Look, look at what I'm giving, Pastor. Look at my check. They write the check in front of you real slow and then look to see if you, yeah, that's, that's three zeros on there. But they pass a homeless person every day and don't give them a nickel. Don't even offer them something from the dollar menu. 
Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Oh, you got to be a member of my church if you want me to feed you. You need benevolence? Are you a member? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. Do you, do you live in my city? If, if you live in my city, I can... Hypocrites. Are you, you need somebody to marry you? To, to do marriage counseling for you? Are you a member of my church? No? Oh, hypocrites. I love when people who don't both belong to this church. Matter of fact, I'm doing a wedding in August for someone who doesn't belong to this church. And, I, and, 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 and when she asked me if I do it, I said, absolutely. Can I counsel you, though? I want you to get my counsel because I'm just going to give it to you straight from the Bible, not from the hip, from the Bible. This is a great opportunity for me to set up a godly foundation for their marriage. Oh, absolutely. You don't have to be a member, but let me help you start your marriage in the right way. I'm not turning nobody away unless, you know, the Bible says I only can marry certain people. I just got to be honest. I'll talk about that at the end of service. I plan to make some statements about it. But honestly, I'm not turning people away because they're not members. I will turn you away because of my beliefs. I have to honor the Bible, but I cannot because you're not a member. A lot of us are just hypocrites. Here's the third point. Hypocrisy focuses on what people think rather than what God knows. Hypocrisy focuses on what people think. That's what Ananias and Sapphira wanted. What would they think? Huh? Huh? Wow, they'll, they'll think I'm great. What will, what will, and that's what happens in church too. What will pastor think if I give this big old offering? And I talk with so many pastors and they constantly give me warnings. Be careful about, I'm, I'm just being honest now. Don't change if this is you. But they tell me, they warn me, be careful about people that want to give you like big offerings. Ask them what they need in return. Because a lot of times people give these enormous amounts of offering so that they can have influence in the church. I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. Now, if you were going to give a big offering, it's okay. I mean, I give you influence in exchange, but we keep the lights on. Amen. Like, what is that, Motel 6? We keep the lights on for you. <laughs> Seriously. And a lot of people are doing that. They're not concerned with the kingdom. They're not concerned. I want to be close to bishop so-and-so, so I'm going to give $20,000. I want to be close to pastor so-and-so. I want to be invited to the golf tournament. I want to be invited to their house for dinner. I want to be. This is why I do all that in the front. Anybody in here never been to my house? You get the invite next week. You coming. If you haven't been to my house, it's only because you haven't come. But I've invited everybody. My door's always open. I don't ever. I'm trying to kill all of these things that make you follow me and not Jesus. I want you to see I'm just as regular and as flawed as all of us in this room. I am nobody special. I'm trying to kill that. Tear down the wall before it's even built up. So that you don't give because you want influence with me. You don't, you don't do certain things because you want to hang out with me. You can do that. But I do want you to do your best for the kingdom of God. Give your best. Serve. Give your time. Do all of those things for the kingdom of God, not for me. I always tell people when, when people say, hey, I'm going to serve in this ministry or I'm going to volunteer for this. And this is not a slight against anybody or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And they don't do it. I always tell them, says, you, know, you know, the reason why you didn't do that thing, because you felt you would let me down. And it's easy to let me down. But you got to realize when you don't do a thing that you promised to do, especially for the church, you let God down. 
And I think if you begin to look at who you're really letting down, then you would change your commitment stuff. Stop over committing and just commit and do what you say you're going to do and honor God. You don't do me any favors by saying you're going to do something. I don't smile and feel better. If you actually do it, then that's another thing. Okay, it got quiet. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. Their sin, Ananias and Sapphira, was the evil intent of their hearts. To make others think that they were more spiritual than they really were. Y'all know some people like that? Amen. The minute you start trying to look good to others without being concerned about what God knows, you are headed into hypocrisy. And the minute you do that, you are discrediting the Holy Spirit. Here's what you're doing. You're you're, you're, you're pretending to be something you're not. The people don't know, but God knows. But you're doing it anyway because you're like, maybe God is not really that big. May, you know, God can't see all of us, and I know I'm not the only one lying or fabricating a story. How is he going to just focus on me and not the billions of others? And the minute you begin to think like that, you begin to think God is just this small. God is all-seeing, all-knowing. He is omnipotent, omnipresent. He is everywhere. There's nothing under the sun you can do that he don't know about. He knows it sometimes before you even do it. So don't think your hypocrisy goes unseen. It's seen by the all-seeing God, our God, the Father. He notices all of it. So, so, so don't think that. And this is, this is not you. Just share this with your neighbor because I know it's not you. You're going to tell your friends later on. God sees it all. And when we try to be hypocrites, we are certainly discrediting the Holy Spirit and making God small. Too many of us in the church want to look like Christ, but not many of us want to be like Christ. We want to look the part. Oh, man, I think if some of us could wear, like, choir robes during the day, we would. Just to let people know, I sing in my choir. You see my robe? I'm an usher. You see my gloves? We want, our, our, we want people to see who we are. This is why we put the fish on the back of our car, and we turn up our 104 point I don't know, the fish, 104.7, the fish, or 102.5, the gospel station. We, we blast it, you know, let people know I'm, I'm saved. We got our ah, Jesus is my homeboy T-shirt and what would Jesus do, wristbands. And, yeah, I'm saved. But can they see that in your walk? They hear it in your talk, but can they see it? in your walk? Is it that? Is it obvious in your walk? And that's what people need to know. I love when I go somewhere and somebody tells me, and you look, you look like a pastor. I'd be like, man, all right, finally. It took a while. I done changed my haircut, started wearing suits, making people uncomfortable. <laughs> I tried to look like, you know, but some, some, literally, I was, I was, where was I? I was on a plane coming from Philly, and somebody said that to me, and I was like, oh, but I was wearing a suit. But I said, I, mean, I, th- I was, you know, I thought I looked more like a model, but pastor, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> Many of us are like that guy you see on the basketball court. He'd be out there, fellas, y'all, y'all with me on this one, right? You go to the basketball court, he, everybody balling, all of a sudden this is dude that comes, he's got the Jordans on, he's got the headbands, the wristband on. I mean, he, he could dribble. Throw it through his legs. He got game. You're like, oh, I want him. And then you put him on your team. He can't shoot a lick. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, fellas. Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's how Christians look. 
right? We got the gear. We looked the part, but you put us in the game. We're not going to serve. We're not going to give. We're not going to help. We're not going to pray. Come on, man. Many of us look just like that dude that shows up on the court. Let me tell you how to avoid hypocrisy, and then we're going to wrap it up. First thing you ought to do is fear God. Fear God. Watch this. Watch this. Let me, go, let me go to the scripture here. Let me go to the scripture here. Watch this. Here's what happens. Here's what happens to Ananias. Then Peter said, why have you let Satan fill your heart? No, I'm going to go down. Let me skip that. So, as soon, so he asked him why he was lying and all this stuff. So go down to five. He says, as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? She said, yes, that was the price. She had her out right there. He gave her out, but she said, no, that was what we received. Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her outside by her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Great fear gripped the entire church. Very first time that word church is used in the book of Acts. Very first time. Very first time the church is used. Let me tell you about this word fear, this word fear. Let me, let me, let me share this word fear means in the Greek. And so you understand it in this context. Watch this. This very word fear in the Greek is pohobos. Pohobos. And it literally means terror, alarm. Here's a good part. Reverence. Reverence. What is reverence? It's a wholesome dread of displeasing God. It's a wholesome dread of displeasing God. It's the same type of of fear that you'd have for your father or parent. Like, man, I remember a time that Brooke, my my, my beautiful princess, who's really one of the better behaved out of all of the children, uh, she just made a bad decision, and she didn't know any better. I had never, ever, ever spanked her. But just knowing that I would find out what had happened terrified her to the point of trembling. She's never, ever been spanked by me. She, she, she may have heard her brother, big brother, get a little bit, but she never saw it, you know. Maybe, maybe the sounds terrified her. I don't know. But she just knew that, man, if daddy knew what I did, how displeased he's going to be. Just the thought of it just wrecked her. And this is how the church felt. That fear, it was terror. Not like of the boogeyman terror. Not like of something drastically happening to you terror. Watch this. They weren't even afraid that what would happen, that what had happened to Ananias and Sapphira would happen to them. That's not what they were feared. They feared displeasing God. And I think we need that kind of fear in the church today for a major revival to happen. 
We need that fear of displeasing God. Listen, I tell my wife, and my wife is a witness, listen, I am wholesome not because I'm afraid of displeasing my wife. I don't mess around on my wife and all like that. Not because I'm afraid of her. I'm afraid of God. I don't want to displease him. This is a covenant that she and I made before him, and I respect it to the point where I would die before I displease God. And We need to have that same fear of displeasing him, not that he's going to come down and pour wrath on us because y'all know he can do that. Here's the thing, what happened, if you read Acts 9.31, that same fear was in the church back then, but it inspired them to the point where they grew even more. You would think that that kind of fear would cause people to leave. No, they grew even more. They reverenced him to the point where they grew even more. So the first thing you ought to do is good catch B, is fear God. Second thing you ought to do is be proud of who you are in Christ. If you are satisfied and happy with who you are, listen, it's okay. I just want to tell you this right now. It's okay not to be okay in this church. It's all right if you are not okay in this church. It's okay to not be okay in this church. But it's not okay to stay that way. It's all right if you're a mess. It's all right if you jacked up. It's all right if you got sin. It's all right if you're not perfect. Perfect. Because this is a place for imperfect people. And it starts with the leadership. But it's not okay to stay that way. You come to this place so that we can be healed and grow and become who God has called us to be. Psalms 139. I love this scripture. Whenever I feel down on myself. Whenever I feel like, man, why me, God? I remember Psalm 139, 14 says this. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. That's the same scripture in other translations that says, you have made me fearfully and wonderfully made. I am fearfully. It's the same scripture, just different translation. But I love the way the, the, the word says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. The world may not understand me. My family may not understand me. My friends may not understand me. But thank God you do. You made me who I am today. Even when I look in the mirror on days and I'm not happy with with the person or the image I see. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Thank you for making me uniquely who I am because I am who I am so that I can bless somebody to be who they need to be as well. God, thank you for making me who I am. You didn't create another just like me. I may have an identical twin, but they are not complex like me. Thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Oh my goodness, that's a shouting moment in the holiness church, if this was one. Be proud of who you are. If you are proud of who you are, you don't be trying to be somebody else. Ananias and Sapphira could have sold that land and gave all of it. Or sold it and said, check this out. Listen, we sold this lamb, but we're going to give y'all about 50% of it. And I think that the church would have been like, amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. What a blessing. Thank you. Wow. You didn't even have to do that, but thank you anyhow. Instead of saying, we sold the land and we gave you all of the proceeds, just like Barnabas. Instagram moment. No. And too many of us are the same thing. We too, what's the saying? Trying to be like the Joneses? 
Some of us are trying to be like the Joneses, the Jacksons, the Jackson 5, and all of them. Be proud of who God made you. He made you you for a reason. And nobody is great as you. Nobody's as wonderful as you. He took his time when he created you. He said, I'm going to put some of this in you, put some of that. I'm not going to put none of that in you. Why? Because that is not for you. But here's the thing. I tell people all the time, if the grass looks greener on the other side, you need to be fertilizing and watering yours. You don't need to step in their grass. That could be fake. That could be turf. Stay in your grass. Tend to your grass and make it as beautiful as God needs it to be. Y'all getting some of this? Here's my final point. Number one, you fear God to be proud of who you are in Christ. And here's my final point. Be grateful for what God has given you. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8 says this. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Isn't that crazy? Ananias and Sapphira, they lied. God hates hypocrites. They died right there. The church still kept the land. Probably took the money too. I'm dead serious. And blessed some folk with it. They couldn't take that land that they lied about with them. They couldn't take the profits from it with them. You can't take any of your worldly possessions with you. You leave the earth today, not even your clothes are going with you. Your hairstyle, your eyelashes, <laughs> red bottom shoes, extensions, stays. Nothing you paid for with a receipt is going with you. So why try so hard to pretend that we got it going on like that and spend money we don't have to look like we have it going on to impress people that can't get us into heaven anyway, to impress people who are not our judges, who are not our creator, who is not our maker, people who will eventually fade away, going about their business and faking it just like you. Man, if this was a different church. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. The church is flawed. The church is imperfect. The church is messy. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.